Indiana's biggest weakness in their week one win over Illinois was its offensive line, and now they've taken another blow up front. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Hoosiers. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you guys for stopping in, making us your first listen every day. It's Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday, uh, September 7th. We did not have a show on Tuesday because of the holidays, uh, but we had a recap of the game over on Friday. So if you missed that, uh, go give that a listen. We're going to dive a little bit more deeper into some of the things we did not talk about, including that offensive line on today's episode. First, though, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college basketball recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. We're going to get Jason back on the show probably next week as basketball recruiting picks up again. But if you guys like those shows we do about college basketball recruiting, be sure to go use LinkedIn jobs because they are the reason we're able to do them. Out of all the positives on Friday, uh, the biggest negative would be the offensive line, which uh, everyone had hoped would be improved after a really bad 2021 season. There were moments... It wasn't as bad as 2021, but I calling that improved would be, I think, a bit generous uh, because the offensive line really struggled on last Friday. The bad news or the worst news is that Matthew Bedford is out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, Tom Allen revealed that at his press conference on Monday. He will return next season, but he is not going to be here for the rest of this season. Parker Hanna will step in as the starter. Uh, Here's what Tom Allen had to say about the injury. Tough blow for Matt. I feel for him, an amazing young man, uh, but he's got an unbelievable attitude about it. And in talking with him, he's going to have a great recovery and come back and play his final season a year from now. But reality is uh, that it's part of the game and, you know, you hate for it. Uh, You hate it for him and for our team. But next man up, and that's what happens. Brutal blow for an offensive line that, was already really struggling. Bedford was considered probably the best of the bunch. Um, certainly one of the most versatile. He's played all over that offensive line during his uh, time in Bloomington. The offensive line really struggled. Now, there's some reasons that Walt Bell gave for that that we'll touch on in a minute. But the fact is they could not remotely run the ball. And while they were, I would say, above average uh, in terms of pass blocking, They weren't flawless, and if you're not going to be able to run the ball at all, you're going to need to be flawless in pass protection, uh, which was not the case. Now, they allowed 15 pressures, uh, seven hurries, eight quarterback hits on the day. If you look at pro football focus, some of their grades from week one, we had access to these last year. I'm not sure we will this year, but Luke Norton over at Crimson Quarry, uh, certainly go give them a follow. He... um, Wrote an article with some of the grades from week one, including some of the offensive line grades. Luke Haggard led the offensive line uh, with a grade of 76.9. 
Uh, he it was sixty seven point four in run blocking, which is below average. It's out of a hundred, so I, I think you can figure out that sixty seven point four is not great. Eighty seven point eight in pass blocking, though, and that is kind of the tail of the tape when you look at Indiana's offensive line. Is that they were really below average run blocking, uh, really above average pass blocking. If that equals out to an average performance. I don't know. It didn't feel like an average performance. Uh, they did what they had to do when it mattered. Um, they protected Bazelak on that final drive. He he had no pressures then. Now, Illinois was playing a prevent defense. There wasn't any kind of blitzes or anything of that nature, but it, it pass protection throughout most of the night was all right. There were still a lot of times uh, they were getting into the backfield and Bazelak was having to throw the ball under pressure. He made some of the throws. He got rid of the ball at times. He had an interception. I don't particularly blame that on him. Went right through Anderson Kobe's hands. Uh, if you look at a couple other offensive linemen, Khalil Benson had an 87.1 grade, but that was in limited snaps. Uh, and then you have Tim Weaver with an 82.2. Uh, again, also uh, in limited stat snaps. Those were both pass blocking grades. So pass blocking seem to be all right for the Hoosiers. Uh, now, why did they struggle to run block? Well, here's what Walt Bell had to say about it, and it, it was basically Illinois' approach to the game. Quote, we knew in preparation that if we had five people in the box, they were going to have six. If we were going to have six, they'd have seven, so on and so forth. Just using simple math, we knew we were going to have to throw the football to win the game. When we did run the football, it was really to poke the bear and at least let them know we would try. Now, that's probably the most times I've ever thrown the ball in a game of my life, but at the same time, we knew we were going to have to throw the ball uh, explosively to win the game. We knew that. He's right. I mean, they were stacking up for the run, and it led to a lot of open passes, and Bazelak made the throws he had to make. Uh, there were some openings downfield. There were some uh, great throws into coverage. Um so if that was part of the game plan, then kudos for recognizing that you were going to have to throw the ball to win and, and executing that enough to get the win. Uh, Basak started rough. I think he started 4 of 11, but went I believe it was 20 of 30 over his last uh, however many quarter and a half uh, or three and a half quarters, three quarters or so. Uh, so he finished strong. Um Walt Bell also had this to say about the offensive line quote for what we asked the O-line to do. I thought they did a fantastic job. Our quarterback got sacked one time. There was more pressure and more outnumbered boxes than they probably than probably any game I've been a part of in my not my life. Uncharacteristically for them, a lot of pressure out of the 82 snaps, probably 40 or 50 were considered pressures. That was a lot. And for those guys to give up one sack, I think that's an incredible job. Do we have to be able to run the football to win games? Absolutely. But for what we asked them to do, they did a fantastic job. He's not wrong in that they did do a good job in pass blocking. There was pressure brought a lot. Again, I don't know that I'd call it fantastic, but it, it was strong. Um, if we're looking at what kind of an overall grade of IU's offensive line the bads were really bad and the goods were really good, I think was what it would come down to. Um, the pass protection was overall pretty good. One sack says a lot. Um, now we talked with 
last week about Illinois and that they didn't have a great defensive line. They had a they have a, a pretty good defense in total, but the defensive line wasn't great. But to give up one sack for how much they struggle to run the ball. Overall, I would say maybe slightly below average, maybe even average if you uh, take a look at pass blocking and run blocking, but they're going to have to improve. The good news is you have Idaho, you have Western Kentucky, you can tinker with some stuff, you can figure some stuff out, and you can improve, and you can look what you did wrong, look what you can do right, and hopefully they're able to, to get some things going on the ground in these next two games and show some life running the football because... You're not going to be able to win games throwing the ball as much as Indiana did or running as ineffectively as Indiana did against Illinois. Now, let's talk about one of the big positives from Friday, and that was the defense, which looked back, uh, looked very familiar, looked back to a Tom Allen defense. Before we dive into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor of today's episode, LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile Uh, so that you can spread the word that you're hiring to your network so you can find all the right people to hire. It's simple. They use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers Visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Head on over to YouTube if you have not already. Subscribe. Uh, We're trying to get to 500 subscribers before the start of the basketball season. So if you haven't already, just jump on over there real quick while you're listening to us, pause the show, whatever it takes, hit that subscribe button real quick. We post the episodes there daily, 7 a.m. You guys can join in on the conversation over there. If the offensive line was frustrating, uh, highs and lows, I I think the defense provided a lot of reason for optimism moving forward because it looked like a Tom Allen defense. Last season, it did not look like a Tom Allen defense, and that's probably why he took back over play calling duties is because uh, we spoke a lot about last year's defense, and I think they were not always put in a position to succeed, but at the end of the day, they also weren't coming away with takeaways, uh, which is a kind of key to Tom Allen and what he wants from his defense. Um, And and they weren't always great. They they struggled at, at times. So this defense on Friday looked terrific. Now there were some cons. I mean, Chase Brown ran for 199 yards on the night. Uh, He didn't score though. They kept him out of the end zone and it was 36 carries that he uh, got his 199 yards on. That's still five and a half yards per carry. He had over 200 yards from scrimmage with a reception. So suboptimal, but again, he didn't score. And that's kind of the MO of what the defense was on Friday of Ben don't break. Um, Isaiah Williams caught nine passes for 112 yards. 
There were a lot of times where Indiana looked like they did not have anyone to match up with him, uh, but he only had one touchdown. And the biggest thing is the takeaways, and that was the biggest positive. Uh, But, I mean, overall, Illinois did have 448 yards. A lot of this, both the offensive line, the defense, you could make the excuse, and I think it would be a fair one, that Illinois had a week to iron out some of the kinks against Wyoming, and Indiana did not. And Illinois had a week of playing together, and Illinois didn't, or excuse me, Illinois had a week to play together, Indiana did not. So, I mean, I think that does somewhat play into it, but you don't like making excuses, and I don't either. Now, again, like I was saying, the positive is that Indiana, uh, that looked like a Tom Allen defense, and at the core of that is the, the takeaways. They forced four fumbles. They recovered three of them. Um they Noah Pierre had a huge one on that lateral into the backfield. It, it felt like every turnover created was enormous. Uh, Cam Jones came away with one. Jalen Williams came away with a fumble recovery each. Uh, I think one of the biggest defensive plays was Sanguinetti's um, interception. But one of the things that doesn't even go down as a, a takeaway is the turnover on downs which was enormous. And if we're talking about probably singular individual plays, that might be the biggest one. And one that I honestly forgot to cover in, in Monday's, or I overlooked it at least in Monday's episode, that turnover on downs, that goal line stand. I mean, IU didn't do anything with it immediately, but it kept them in the game and it kept, uh, it gave IU a chance. And ultimately that mattered at the end of the game that IU was still in it and they could still come away with the victory. So the defense, bend, don't break, came up with the plays they had to, got the takeaways, uh, which were momentum changers, I think, each and every time. It looked like they had a little bit of swagger and confidence back, and that wasn't there a lot last year, especially as the season wore on. Um, and when you can get those types of takeaways, uh, those fumbles, those interceptions, you're going to have a swagger and a confidence to you. There's a number of guys you could highlight. We talked about Cam Jones enormous uh Noah Pierre with that uh great read on that lateral um and comes away with that fumble recovery enormous play from him shifting positions to Husky we talked a little bit we talked a a fair amount about him during the preseason but he switches positions and was second on the team in tackles uh looked like he fit in seamlessly um Aaron Casey in that linebacker position left uh, the hole left by Micah McFadden. He had seven tackles, one and a half for loss. Sanguinetti, we mentioned. Alfred Bryant was uh, really good defensively. He graded out well on pro football focus. Uh, Bradley Jennings, the other guy helping fill in for uh, the linebacker position. Uh, you had some guys in the secondary making plays. Devon Matthews, Taiwan Mullen. Deshaun McCullough was out there a fair amount. And showed some promise. First game, first Big Ten game, for the amount he played, I thought he looked pretty strong. Uh, and clearly he's going to be a big part of this team moving forward. So the defense looked really good. Uh, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about them. They still have some things to work out too, like we said. Um, but it seemed like they got stronger as the night went on, especially in that fourth quarter. Now, I think Illinois also got pretty dang conservative in that fourth quarter. But... Indiana was forcing turnovers, and regardless of how conservative or aggressive you play, uh, if the defense is forcing turnovers, then that's just strong play from them. So 
a lot to be optimistic and and happy about on that defensive side of the ball. And they're going to have two weeks to iron out any issues they have. They're a lot less glaring. There are a lot fewer of them, but they're going to get to fine-tune things on the defensive end. I'm really excited to see what they can do uh, because when Tom Allen has a defense humming, it's a it's a wonderful sight. And that looked like a uh, something like a Tom Allen defense. And if he can get that humming, then IU could be really in store for another strong season. And if they're going to potentially make a bowl game, that defense is going to have to be humming along. I use depth chart. I guess their second one officially, although there was over a month between them, was uh, released on Tuesday. We'll give, we'll take a look. Uh, we obviously know who played and who didn't play, but we'll take a look at some of the, the, the notable um, positions and where players are slotting in at in that depth chart here in just a moment. So if we're looking at uh, the second depth chart of the season, I mean, obviously we mentioned Parker Hanna, now the starting right tackle. Uh, Joshua Sales, a redshirt freshman behind him. We talked, the the offensive line has no depth. Um, Luke Haggard, Mike Kadich, Zach Carpenter, Tim Weaver, and Parker Hanna are all upperclassmen. Every one of them is backed up by an underclassman. So you're asking a lot uh, of this offensive line and injuries could be an issue there. You're going to be throwing guys into the deep end. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of rotating against Idaho and maybe against Western Kentucky to get some of these younger guys, some reps now, because they're going to have to be relied upon at some point. You don't want to anticipate or expect injuries or anything like that. But as Tom Allen said, they're part of the game. So I think a lot of these young guys are going to play and you're going to try to figure some things out here in the next two weeks. Wide receiver, uh, last depth chart we saw was just chaos. This one has a lot more clarity. Cam Camper, DJ Matthews, obviously two of the starting wide receivers. Anderson Kobe, the other one, we saw him a fair amount. As we mentioned, the interception kind of bounced off his hands, but still was able to uh, I thought make an impact, have a couple of strong plays. Behind Kobe is Donovan McCauley is the number two or the second string uh, wide receiver uh, in that in that position. Javon Swinton is actually the third string wide receiver. A little surprising, though I think we saw a fair amount of him on Friday as well. IU said they're going to play eight or nine guys, so all these guys are going to get time regardless of where they fall in the uh, depth chart. Emory Simmons backing up DJ Matthews. I know his name was called Malachi Holt Bennett behind Cam Camper. I know his name was called. So, and none of these are even mentioning Omar Cooper, who Tom Allen kind of raved about uh, in the preseason building up to this game. So guys are going to get chances. I think these next two weeks are going to be really important to see kind of who is going to be able to be relied upon and, and kind of solidify this, I almost want to say rotation. I know that's kind of a basketball thing, but when you have as many guys as you want to plug and play as they do, um, seeing who's worth giving snaps to and who may struggle is going to be key. So I think these next two weeks are going to determine a lot for the wide receivers. Not a whole lot uh, else notable from the depth chart. Obviously, we know where guys are playing and who's going to play. Deshaun McCullough, second string uh, bull on the bull position. Behind Alfred Bryant, 
And as we said, McCullough played a lot. He's going to factor in in a number of different places. Uh, it was interesting. There were some kind of five down linemen uh, sets with McCullough on the field at times. And I think they're going to try some interesting things to get him on the field and kind of utilize his unique skill set. That linebacker position alongside Cam Jones still says Aaron Casey or Bradley Jennings. So very much splitting time there right now. I thought both played well enough that neither deserved to lose playing time. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, everything else, a- as you would expect, the the secondary, we knew what it was going to look like. Uh, and even someone like Josh Sanguinetti, who's listed as the uh, second string safety, was able to come in and make a big play. So a lot of guys that you can rely upon in that secondary. Uh, Omar Cooper is listed as one of the kick returners with Jalen Lucas. Two true freshmen uh, as your kick returners is interesting. There weren't a lot of kicks to return. Illinois' kicker was putting everything through the back of the end zone, and that's just kind of the nature of college football now. I don't know how much action they're going to get, but it is interesting that it's two true freshmen uh, as your kick returners. DJ Matthews as the punt returner. Um not a ton of action for him either on on Friday. And given his reputation, especially against Idaho, I, I don't know how often they're going to kick the ball to him. So not a lot of surprises because we saw everything in action. But uh, that wide receiver position is going to be interesting to pay attention to here in the coming weeks and seeing how much they rotate that offensive line to try to get some young guys in there to – Uh, get some snaps and some reps with them as well. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back with you tomorrow with Jared to talk about kind of what this win means for the Hoosiers. Maybe look at um, what – it's never too early to start talking about bowl games, and that was a big win. So we'll look at maybe the potential of IU being in a bowl game. Also going to talk some women's basketball, their Big Ten schedule – will come out tomorrow as well. Now, for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. Uh, It's an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app on YouTube or wherever you guys get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, if you have not already, at LO underscore Hoosiers. Subscribe to the podcast, especially over on YouTube. Let's get that subscriber number up to 500 before basketball starts. Leaving Leave a rating and review wherever you guys can. It helps us out a ton. Most importantly, though, everybody, have an awesome Wednesday and LEO.